Hey, welcome to the Misfits for Jesus radio ministry. Wow, the applause was kind of late coming today, guys. Wow. Bright and early Sunday morning. We got the whole gang. Rob's over there. He's acting all studious. I think he's preparing for the next week's word. He's giving me the don't look at me. And he shushed. Did you shush me? Betty, your son just shushed me. (laughs) So we have Betty Holder in the studio today, guys. Hey, Betty. But, you know, before we get into your story, and we could go probably about a month and a half just on your story alone. (laughs) Tim, Mr. Lamont and I have had our troubles in the past. Would you agree? (laughs) Yes. And I know being a, you know, a, a mature Christian, the importance of not letting a bitter root spring up. It's very important. Forgiveness, Jesus said 70 times 7. Would you reach out to Jack for me? I'm sorry, <laughs> Mr. Lamont, and let him know that I'm willing to let bygones be bygones if he would just give me a, a sign of any kind, Tim. Thank you. Mr. Lamont, uh, Randy would like to uh, bury the hatchet, so to speak, with you uh, <laughs> and kind of end this feud so that no bitterness or uh, root of bitterness grows up to hinder uh, our Christian walk. Did Mr. Lamont just bust open a Mountain Dew first thing Sunday morning? (laughs) Yes, he did. Did he give you any indication he was ready for this thing to end? He's looking for some stuff, I think, too. Wow. I think think that was I think that was his sign that that he wanted it to end because he cracked the Mountain Dew. So that so that's like been the only communication he's ever he's had in the last couple months. Listen, guys, (laughs) this is incredible. This could be one of the last signs. Right? This is like the, the Hatfields and McCoys laying down their arms. This is like, uh, this. I don't know what this, this is. like the Cubs and the Cardinals just, just having tea over a Mountain Dew. How about that? Mountain Dew. You know that's what water's going to taste like in heaven is Mountain Dew. Ambrosia. Oh, boy. I have a message from Mr. Lamont. Yes. That that was not a sign. <laughs> He's not ready to surrender yet. <laughs> You know what? (laughs) Tim, what does that sign Mr. Lamont is holding say? It says, not a sign. And then on the other side, it says, loser. (laughs) Is he doing the chicken thing at me? (laughs) You know what? We could do this all morning. Uh, We'll pick this up on another time. But right now, I think it's suffice to say that the feud is on, buddy. The feud is on. Don't look over here. You're in the far pasture somewhere. Betty, how are you? Now, boys, we got to stop this. No, mom's in the house. <laughs> First Somebody of all, now. Stop your bickering. Are we going to have to go behind a woodshed? <laughs> Betty's going to ground you, Lamont. Oh, yeah, you better look scared, buddy. So, Betty, we've known you for what? Six, seven, eight years? Uh, it's been a minute. Five or six years. Five now. or six years. Mm-hmm. You were part of the church when we were right City. Yes. You know, and we've heard parts of your story over the years, and I know it's multifaceted, okay. and we know that you're a prayer warrior, and, and probably the the health of this church is probably proportionate to the prayers you've sent up over the five years. We've, and we've been through some stuff together, haven't we? Yes, we have. If we were going to start somewhere, where would we start with your story? Because I don't even know where to go now. We're mindful. We only have about 25 minutes here, uh, Holder. I don't have a specific time when I met Jesus. I've known him all of my life. I was raised 
Catholic and Protestant and. Uh, Time out. I'm going to stop you right there. You were raised Catholic and Protestant. One week in us Catholic, other week in us Protestant. But my dad was an alcoholic. My stepfather was an alcoholic. Okay. And so the things that went on, you know, behind the scenes. But I always, I always knew God, even with all the, you know, the negative I, I saw at an early age. Um, when I was eight, they took prayer out of school, and that was devastating. I'll Whew. never forget that. Wow. But, um, you know, I, I got married for love. Robbie's dad. That didn't work out. We moved to Missouri and <laughs> where from? Like, where were you living? New Jersey and Philly. No kidding. Ah, yeah. you can, you can I believe that's yeah. where Mr. Lamont was from. Yeah, South Jersey. It's been a tough life, really. I mean, I had to watch my little brothers and sisters when my dad would be drunk down at the shore, and you know, I was ten years old, taking care of the younger kids. And mm -hmm. but I, I did it. I mean, it was what I was supposed to do as an older sister but I got married and we you know we fell in love moved to Missouri and uh, we didn't have a very good start and I told Bob I said we need to go back home or we're not going to make it because mm -hmm. we were told we would have jobs we'd have a house well we didn't I had to live with my abusive stepfather and I said Bob this is not going to work out a month later, I was pregnant and with uh, Robbie. With Robbie, we okay. had no insurance, no job, no house, but that's how we started out. Okay. And uh, we got through it. We ended up divorcing. I got married a, a second time to an older man because I was looking for that father figure, mm -hmm. you know, which I I lacked growing up. But all all, all through all of this, I mean, I I still love the Lord. I didn't understand a lot, you know, being. But uh, then after my uh, Second divorce, Robbie was diagnosed with brain tumors just like a month month after my second divorce. And How uh, old was he at the time? He had just turned 13. Okay. And uh, I had been going to a church here in town, and uh, I was I was judged by a lot of people and a lot of different things. I mean, I've never Why been perfect. Why do you think? Do you think it was because at that time it was the divorce was not what, what was going on? I don't know. The pastor had a, a message about divorce and mm -hmm. unemployment and everything else. The only thing I, that hadn't happened was I hadn't lost my job at that time. Okay. But, but um, so I left that church, went to another church here in town. I'm not proud. You know, I've been, God planted me in different places mm -hmm. to, I don't, be the light maybe. I don't okay. know because I don't put up with negativity. I, I try not to. I've grown so much through uh, it's just been unreal. But after my second divorce, that's when Robbie was diagnosed with brain tumors. Um, I was working three jobs to support the kids. Mm -hmm. uh, my daughter was really having issues, and back then mental health was not a, a top priority for anybody. So I had that going on. I was in a three-car wreck. I was just, you know, it's <laughs> just like, and I ended up, uh, I met somebody, and the kids and I just moved into our little baby house, and I fell hook, line, and sinker, and he had told me, I don't know how specific I should get, he told me how to vasectomy, and he did not. And new house, new baby, and that's when my youngest one was on the way. Okay. And people wanted me to abort him. I said, no, my oldest son is fighting for his life. I'm not taking Good his for you. life. Yeah. Good and, for uh, you. And I said, no, I, yeah. there's no way. But, I mean, I got a lot of flack about that. I mean, just like, no, I'm, I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to, you know, 
kill a child because of of my mistake because right. of my choice you know so i mean he's he's been a blessing all my kids have been a blessing i've never felt tied down by any of my kids but the church that i had gone to where the kids were take being in daycare the pastor there wayne and joanne and pastor vaughn they and ann carr they came alongside me and they didn't judge me because i was pregnant and you know i was having all these things with with robbie's brain tumors and they didn't know if he was going to live or die and you know he had no prognosis and they didn't judge me yeah and they taught me so much um and that's when i learned i was pregnant with james to read every morning from the bible and for 31 years i don't let anything take that time away from me and I've just, it, it's just amazing <laughs> how the things God has seen me through and the people that I've been able to help through all the things I've been through. You know, I'm not crazy. I don't take drugs. I, you know, I could have been an alcoholic had I not got pregnant, you know, but I, you know, I'm just, I'm just so thankful and I'm so thankful to, uh, you know, that I had people that in that church and Anne was my mentor, didn't judge me, you know, and they, you know, and so I've grown so much. I mean, I, I live my life for Jesus, and it's just, uh, I just can't describe. I mean, life is still hard, oh, yeah. but you learn how to deal with it. You learn how to, through his word and prayer and your, and your <laughs> church family, how to get through these times, because it's not going to stop until we, we are not here. You know, it, the hell is going to continue here on earth, especially with everything that's going on. You know, and I, I, I just can't believe. I just shake my head every day about, wow, people are okay with killing babies, and you know, it's just. I just shake my head with the stuff that's going on, and I just keep praying, like Lord. So, but I do wake up a lot. I started waking up during the night, thinking it was menopause when my other son Tim was in Iraq, and I would see things. I mean, God would show me things, and I'd be praying. I saw. Was it Sandy Hook? Mm -hmm. I saw that, and I woke up praying and praying. I went, you know, I kept praying because, like, Lord, why do you show me these things? And uh, there's been a lot of different times like that, and I just, he wakes me up to pray, and I pray. Time out. You saw it prior to it actually being announced? I did. Okay. I did. I, I was, like, there in my dream. I was, I saw it in my dream. Wow. And, there and then was, when you, what, what was the feeling when you saw it come across the headlines? Oh. I was, I just couldn't believe it, but I had, I had called Ann and told her, you know, what I was, what God woke me praying about, and, mm -hmm. you know, I, I gathered some of my prayer warriors, and we prayed, and I was told probably had we not been praying, it would have been a lot worse. Yeah, who oh, knows? Man, no kidding. But, I mean, that's, wow. that, I'll never forget that, because when I went back to sleep, it, it continued, I'm like, Lord, why do you show me these things, you know, but he knows I'm obedient no matter what. You know, we just, we have to yeah. do what he lays on your heart, you know. And it's just, that's how I knew the first doctor I took him to. I said, these are signs of a brain tumor. And she just looked at me like, it's just a divorce. And it's like, no, these are signs of a brain. Cause God you had to tell things. the doctors what was going on? <laughs> Come on, that's God wow. lays things on your heart if sure. you learn to listen. And you listen know your son better than anybody. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's been a miracle. You know, he had no prognosis. They came and laid hands on him and where the tumor was, they couldn't get it all because he would be a vegetable. Now he's just 
crazy. <laughs> now he loves vegetables. <laughs> but they, uh, Anne and them came and laid hands on him when they did the net cat scan. There was no brain tumor at all. Wow. wow. That's great. So, I mean, he's, yeah, I've had many, wow. many miracles. So it's just, I'm just... I'm just in awe, you know, and I just want to do what he wants me to do. That's why I'm a misfit. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, a fact. You know, you had mentioned something that we mention every week you hear us say it about reading and praying, how mm-hmm. important it is to start your day with that. It is. How long did it take you before that became your routine that you that's what you did you just and you remember it because we all get busy from time to time and not using that as an excuse but i was still pregnant with james when i started doing it and uh i wouldn't let any anything interfere with that time even when my business was kind of low and people wanted to come at five o'clock in the morning i said no No, that's my prayer time i said i don't give that up for anybody i've learned that but it has been my strength you know my youngest son just got back from the border and he went after a illegal, and the illegal had, when they ran him, he had been wanted for murder. I mean, so God wow. watches over my wow. family. My, <laughs> he does. The, the so, powers of your prayers. You know. Well, and it's just, you know, all of us praying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's not just me. It's him working through Something all of us. Something about a mom or a grandma praying for. Oh. <laughs> it's just. Your kids, yeah. You know, right. you're praying for your kids, but. Definitely. Let's do this. I think we're getting the look. Is that a look from Mr. Lamont there, Tim? Is it break time? He says yes. <laughs> we'll be right back. Lang Insurance is your local, trusted, independent insurance agency for 40 years and growing. Steve Lang says, I dare you to compare your current home and auto insurance policy to our top 10 insurance companies. Most of the time, we will save you money, sometimes thousands. Either way, you will know that you have the best policy at the best price. Lang Insurance, someone local you can trust for a free, no obligation insurance quote on home auto business life and health call 636-229-7000 636-229-7000 or go to langinsurance.com 24 7 dare to compare lang insurance welcome back we're still here visiting with debbie and rob he's over on the couch he's studying i think he's studying over there so Rob comes strolling in this morning. He was like, hey, you guys care if I tune in? We were going to try to charge him 50 bucks to hear Betty's story, but I figure since he lived it, he knows the story. We'll, we'll go ahead and let him in. So when you moved from New Jersey to here, did you settle in Warrington or no, Wright City? We or? moved to Hawk Point. Oh, can anything good come from Hawk Point? Hey, now. Look at Tim over there. He's like, oh, I, did. I loved Betty before. I love her even more now. Hawk Point, and I imagine at that time. So you're talking 40 years ago. What was that like? I wanted to go back home. (laughs) You moved from South New Jersey. I want to move away, too. I hate to say it. But he's under long-term contract. (laughs) Neither of you can. (laughs) Well, guys, I hate to tell you this, but it would appear we're getting a text alert. If you remember, we started this segment, text in your questions. Let's see what we have here. Okay, ready? This, apparently, if I can bring up my text messages, this is from Phyllis Rowe. Hi, Randy. When we die, do we go to heaven right away, or do we wait until the rapture? 
At 10 years old, my mother died. I was told she was in heaven looking down on me. Then I read these scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17, 1 Corinthians 15, 52, Revelation 20, verse 13, Ephesians 1, 10. What do you think? This is from Phyllis Rowe. So Phyllis and Roger may be listening, so you better get this right, boys. Had a great conversation <laughs> with about this particular question last week at breakfast. Tim, I'm going to give you the first question. And I want to hear scripture. And you too, Betty, Barry, and whomever. The first part of the question, let's call it A. When we die, do we go to heaven right away, or do we wait until the rapture? Well, I think the Bible says when you're absent from the body, you're present with the Lord. Okay. So I would say that uh, we're at least with the Lord, which, I mean, he ascended to heaven, so if you're with him, you're in heaven. So. Okay. So what part of you is in heaven? That gets a little bit more complicated. You're getting into some <laughs> oh, So be to be absent body is to be present with the Lord, but in spirit form. Right. I, that's and what I believe in, in right. spirit form, yes. Right. But it's complicated to imagine since we're, we're used to being tethered to this flesh to be separate. You know, the body is, is decayed, is decaying. And Paul says, though outwardly I'm, I'm wasting away, inwardly I'm being renewed daily, right? So... In answer to your question, Phyllis, it's kind of like we talked about, you know, Tim, I love that scripture, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord in spirit form. Now, I will say, you're getting into, Barry, you, want to, you got the First Thessalonians 4, 16, 17? Yeah, I'll read down. Okay. Okay, it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them, in, meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. That's one of those catchphrases we always say, hey, I'll see you here, there, or in the air. Right. I mean, right. So <laughs> in spirit form. In again, spirit form. Again, right. But uh, <laughs> so, so when you die, your spirit goes to be with the Lord. Right. When Christ comes back, you know, all the dead in their graves are going to rise up to meet the Lord in the air. And then he'll take the bride of church, the bride of Christ away. And then at the end of the tribulation, he'll come back with the saints. But by then we'll have our glorified bodies. And boy, I can't wait. Wow. Amen to that. You know, so, and you can get into the, are you a pre-trib? Are you a mid-trib? Are you a post-trib? Right. Or whatever you're getting. But the bottom line is, you die right now, your spirit goes to be with the Lord. When Christ comes back, whenever that is, it'll be reunited with a brand new glorified body and eventually will repopulate a new earth, new Jerusalem, new heaven on earth. That's great news. Now the second part, let's call it B. At 10 years old, my mother died. I was told she was in heaven looking down on me. Who wants that one? I'll let you have it. Well, thanks, Barry. <laughs> but I think as we talked off air, let's let's clarify. Let's go to that scripture. Where was it? Luke six. You talking about Lazarus? Yeah. Uh, Luke uh, 16. sixteen. Yeah. And there's part of this. Um, this is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. I think it's interesting right off the bat that the rich man's not given a name. Lazarus is. Right. You know, I think that's interesting. In verse 19, chapter 16, verse 19, yeah, I think this is the, uh, it's, it's being laid out. There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. 
At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps on a rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, now watch this. There was a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. The rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers and I want to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. Now watch this. <laughs> Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. <laughs> the rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even if someone rises from the dead. Who does that sound like? Yeah. <laughs> and, and whose words are those? Um, I believe it's Jesus. Baby. <laughs> right. I mean, I come on. So. But yeah, I think it's right there in front of you. Because, Phyllis, if you're listening, I hope that you are. You know, we're, we're not really told, according to Scripture, as far as I can tell, whether they can see what's going on. All right. But we are told the, in here, you, you can't, there's a chasm septic and no communication. Zero. So when we hear stories like, I was talking to Aunt Julie last week, and no, you weren't. It doesn't happen that way. I do believe when someone passes away, because angels comfort people, that's their job, right. to, to, to uh, comfort people that are inheriting salvation. Scriptures say, aren't they to comfort people inheriting salvation? So I think in, in my father's case, and probably other people here, when a death happens or something, I believe that the angels can do all kinds of remarkable things right. that would lead you to believe that you're speaking with someone that's gone, and, but you're not, according right. to this. Someone else want to weigh in? You nailed it with the comfort. They know, and God would send them to comfort them. Just like, hang on, everything's okay. Because, you know, you hear signs. Everybody says they hear a sign or see a sign, like, like you said, oh, my dad or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's not. Not according to the scripture. Right. And we can't go beyond scripture. Right. Should I tell the story of my dad? Was that interesting, Tim? Oh, with the, with Tim's the, always very objective. He would just say, nope, not interesting <laughs> at all. Or Barry might be, he's nicer than you, Tim. He would say, that's eh, somewhat interesting. I would what do say, you think? yeah. Okay. Because yeah, we've all had those signs when, when we lose somebody. Okay, so yeah. when my dad passed away, um, he was 82, 83, so you know, he was well up in years, but he was relatively healthy. He had a little bit of issue with an issue with his colon, so he had to go in and get some surgery, and everything was looking all right. There was a, a surgery was performed. Uh, he was doing okay. Uh, but prior to the surgery, he couldn't drink any water for like 24 or 48 hours. So in the middle of all this chaos in his room, I don't know, six people visiting, and my dad did. They, did, they just kept, they were doing a video, and they kind of zoomed in on him, and he was off in La La Land, not not doped up. I think he was dehydrated, obviously. Right. And he was singing <laughs> "Cool, Cool Water." Apparently, it's an old old song, and they they zoomed in on him, 
And the title of the little film was called Grace Under Pressure. My dad had enormous grace at this time. We believe it was given to him by the Lord to go through this. He probably knew, looking back, hey, my, you're on borrowed time now, Dad. You're 83. But prior to that, he was in good shape. Anyway, ultimately, he had the surgery, and some complications came up. My mom had a pot roast in the oven, expecting him to come home, and he didn't come home. Uh, he had a massive stroke. Um, I'm not going to get into the reasons as why, but he had a massive stroke. Another stroke hit right after, and my dad was gone. Mm. Just like that. And everybody expected. Uh, I remember talking to the doctor, and he said, you, he, my, he was my dad's doctor for 40 years. Wow. And he goes, your dad has been nine lives. <laughs> and he goes, I, I, you, get, you need to prepare. I think this is it. I oh. think this is the time. And we were shocked because we thought he was coming home. Right. He didn't come home, you know, and, and, and he died, and he went to be with Jesus mm. because he knew Jesus. But mm. this is the part I thought was really interesting. My dad had a big stack of albums in his laboratory. Probably a hundred, I don't know. But when my sister got down there and we were going through his stuff, kind of reminiscing, oh, I remember this, I remember this. There was one album kind of pulled out a little bit more than the rest of the album. And guess what? Guess what I read as I'm looking <laughs> down, you could kind of see the words on it, whoever it was. I don't remember. Cool, cool water. Wow. It's <laughs> amazing. It gives me chills even right, right. now. Now, and that's a comfort thing, right? That there. is the comfort that thing. But comfort. here's here's what I want to really drive the point home. My sister, uh, who's a wonderful person, from a biblical perspective, I don't think she's really an informed Christian. In other words, we're given these words by Jesus to make sure that we know what's going on. We don't have to guess and surmise. Right. I do believe, and she said, oh, that's Dad communicating with us. That's Dad talking to us. And, you know, it was the wrong time to pull out a 10-point debate on why <laughs> and take right. her to Luke 16 and, right. and show her the prayer. But I said, yeah, you know, that's great. I do believe that God comforts us. You know, he's near the brokenhearted. He knows right. where we're yep. Now, I didn't want to get into that's angels comforting us more than likely. It, it's it, however that goes down, whatever that looks like, whether it was angels. But I do believe that God comforted us. But it's a long, complicated question, Phyllis. But we're not really told whether, unless you guys. Yeah. I had something to add. Lay it in. The Bible talks about uh, I'm not sure where about there being a veil between us and all the stuff that's going on around okay. us, whether they be demons or. In your case, with the record, it was probably an angel that moved the right. moved the record out. And I think that if people if people that are with the Lord can see us, I think they they also see that veil because it says that there's no no tears in heaven. There's no there's no, no there's no crying. There's there's no sorrow or anything like that. And I think they see through that veil so that when somebody's that they love is struggling or having a hard time, they see the whole picture like God does. Okay. Because they see through the veil and they know why that's happening and therefore it doesn't distress them. That's a great point. I can't say for sure that they can see us or not because I just don't think the scripture answers that 100% either, it does. either way. It really but doesn't. I do think that when they're with the Lord, they see that they see past that veil that we don't. Well, Betty, it looks like time's about up. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Yeah, we're just yeah. getting started. We're, I try. I just got the look from that guy over there. That, <laughs> well, okay. Jesus said to the thief, "Today you'll be with me in paradise." That's it. This very day. We'll be with him. This very day, yeah. 
Guys, do we have time for a gospel hot seat? How about we have Randy do the gospel wow. hot seat today? So Jack's looking at, I'm sorry, Mr. Lamont's looking at me. we got 15-second gospel hot seat. Here's the deal. <laughs> You're a sinner, right? And Christ is a great Savior. Amen. Give your life to him. Place your trust Amen. in Jesus. Don't just accept him. You need to come to a point where you stop trusting yourself and start putting your faith in, in what Christ accomplished on that cross. It's easy. Call out to Jesus mm-hmm. and he'll save you. That's All the right. call upon in the name of the Lord shall I'll be saved. Be saved. Have a great week, you guys. Betty, thanks for stopping by. Thank you. It was awesome. Make sure to tell somebody about Jesus. May it be kind to one another. Make the world a better place. (laughs) That's all. Water and blood. Water and blood. From out of his side. Where Roman spear cut. From his broken heart, he offered down his blood, and it spilled on the ground.